Fellowship online uh, with our uh, through our website and through Facebook. And as we begin our service together, would you join me in prayer? Father, we come this morning to say thank you. We thank you most of all for the reality that we know that our God is sovereign over all things. And so as we come to you this morning, we come resting in you, knowing that you are there taking care of us. Nothing is missing your attention. You're not missing a beat about what's going on as we see chaos around us. We realize that, Lord, uh, there is no chaos in you. And we come to rest in you and your peace. As we worship you this morning, we commit this time to you. In Jesus' name, amen. I have a few announcements to share with you, and then we're going to uh, have maybe what we might call a slightly extended service. We have the opportunity to have some worship music this uh, this morning. We have Rebecca and Naomi uh, who will be leading the, the singing. And we're going to put the words on the screen so that you can see them uh there and sing along please and uh we just uh are excited that we get to add this dimension to the service but before we do that i have a few announcements to share uh again our plan is to start in live worship again on work on sunday july 5th at 10 a.m uh until then we'll continue presenting our worship service on the website and on facebook and we will continue to record the services after we return to live worship for those who aren't ready to uh, return to church or unable to return to church at that point in time. Um, we will be putting out a letter explaining uh, the, the safety procedures that we will be following uh, when we open. This information will also be available on our website and on our Facebook uh, account as well. Um, in our I'd like to have an opportunity to just to do a small pastoral prayer here. We have Kathleen Stockland going to have surgery on Monday. Uh, this will be tomorrow. And uh, it's a hiatal hernia surgery. And she just asked that we would pray for it. It's Monday morning here at Redwood. Uh, Kay Morris and Diane Van are waiting on surgeries. And so that just uh, keep them in prayer. And uh, certainly to pray that. God would bring a, a an end to this COVID-19 and also to pray for uh, the people who have suffered loss and, and, and fresh, the, the things going on in Minneapolis as well. So uh, we've got a lot there uh, to pray about. Also, a, uh, an update, Joanne Farnsworth is doing uh, better. She's up and uh, around in her therapy. Uh, she's not home yet. Uh, but she's uh, uh, recovering well from her hip surgery. So just to continue that, she'll, that will continue. Keep that in prayer. And I was thinking, as I was just mentioning the, the COVID-19 and the Minneapolis situation and all that, uh, we're told by God that if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, when I... Uh, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive them uh, their sins and heal their land. Father, we come to you. And again, we, we bring our prayer needs to you, specifically those that are in need in our congregation right now. For Kathleen, that you would go ahead of her uh, with this surgery on Monday. 
and that everything will go well. No complications, no problems. We ask, Lord, that you would be with Kay and Diane as they continue to wait for surgeries, uh, difficult and painful at times for them. Uh, we just ask that you would be with them, comfort them as only you can. And then as we pray for uh, those that have had have uh, suffered loss and those that are uh, sick because of the COVID-19, we ask again for your healing and your comfort and that you would break the cycle of this virus and bring healing to the city of Minneapolis and, and all of those who have, uh, have uh, suffered through this uh, difficult time. And we ask, Lord, that you would work everything out according to your purpose in that situation. And then again, thank you for Joanne. Good news that she's doing well as she recovers from her hip surgery. Again, thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You see?
Oh, what needless pain we bear. Oh, because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. As we trials and temptations, is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find our friends so faithful? sorrow share. Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Are we weak and heavy laden? Come, but with a load of care. Precious Savior, still a refuge. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Do thy friends despise forsake thee? Take it to the Lord in prayer. In his arms he'll take and shield thee. Thou will find our solace there. Blessed Savior, thou hast promised. Thou will all our burdens bear. Be bringing all to thee an earnest prayer. Soon in glory, bright and cloud, there will be no need for prayer. As you praise and endless worship. Will be our sweet portion there. This morning we are continuing in First Corinthians chapter thirteen. And uh, as we begin, I'd like to read the first eight verses. First Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 8. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. 
It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things. Believers all thing, believes all things. Hopes all things. Endures all things. Love never ends. Today, we'll be looking at uh, verse 4, where it says, Love is patient and kind. We've already discussed patient last week with Ted's message, and today we'll pick up the word kind. We're going through this uh, bit by bit so that we can really emphasize these different stages of things about uh, the love of God and the way he shows it to us. And I thought I would start with kind of a, a review in a sense as to uh, what identifies a Christian. According to scripture, what identifies a Christian? Jesus said in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, that the way we love one another is going to be how they know we are Christians. I think of the, the song chorus that went, we, we will know we, we are Christians by uh, our love. They will know we are Christians by our love. The love that is spoken of here is first God's love. It is the word agape, and it deals with an unconditional love. It is a love that we are not capable of generating ourselves. There's different kinds of love that we can have for one another, but the agape love comes from God through the Holy Spirit indwelling the believer. And as we mature, as we grow, that love grows in us, and we are able to share it but it's something that comes from God through the Holy Spirit in us. God's love, again, it's unconditional. It cannot be earned. There's nothing we can do to buy it or to pay for it or to add in a sense of, well, if I did enough good things or enough good deeds, God would love me more. It's not that kind of love. It's unconditional. It's already full. It's already complete as God offers it to us. We also see in Scripture, uh, Paul speaks often about this love. Uh, in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 23, uh, he speaks about God's love. But the fruit of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no Law. Some see love as just one of the fruits of the Spirit with joy and peace also fruit. Others, uh, which would include myself, see love as the fruit of the Spirit manifested in joy, peace, patience, uh, kindness, goodness. And you'll see as we just went through it in 1 Corinthians that it says love is patient, love is kind. And so that's where that thought kind of uh, comes together. So the fruit of the Spirit is love, and it's God's love, and it's expressed or, or shown in characteristics of, of different uh, ways as a sense of patience, a sense of kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are all part of it. And it's not that some people say, well, that, I don't have that gift. These aren't, aren't gifts. These are the fruit of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. We are all called to be growing in all of these areas. As love matures in us. So love, the fruit of the spirit. Uh, 
like I said, we've already had uh, the talk about patience. We've already, uh, and today we're going to focus on kindness. And literally here in First Corinthians chapter 13, where it says kindness, and for that matter, most of these words will come out this way, it's showing kindness. Literal translation is showing kindness, which takes us to a point where it's uh, giving us a picture of there must be some action with it. It's not just saying, oh, I am a kind person. There is something in your lifestyle and your demeanor and the way you act, the way you speak, the way you talk that shows that kindness is working in you. Again, this is a gift from God. It comes through his love working in us. So uh, I put here in my, my notes, I said, true agape kindness, true love's kindness uh, is, is greater it's larger, it's bigger than random acts of kindness. It is the way we look at others in the world. It's the way we look at each other in the church. It's, uh, you know, I, we think of sometimes kind people that occasionally will do some nice thing for people, maybe for the homeless, maybe uh, for someone in their family, maybe for a shut-in or this type of thing. Those are the random acts of kindness that also are a byproduct of God's love working in us. But the idea here is showing kindness to be a part of our character, a part of who we are. And so it's bigger than just the random acts of kindness. It's supposed to be something that's flowing from us uh, continuously. One person said, flowing in our veins and gushing out on a regular basis. Uh, so it's again the way we look at each, at others in the world, and how and and it's also how others would view us. They would look at us and 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 say he's you know that's a person who knows the love of God. Look at his kindness or look at her kindness. It's reflected there. Showing kindness is then what we're looking at this morning. As I thought about that, I, I, the next question has to come. Do they know us for our love is the question that we generally ask. They will know we are Christians by our love. So do they know us by our love? Do, are we known in the community by our love for one another? And I realize as I ask that, I have to say then, do they know us by our patience? Do they know us by our kindness? Because those are attributes of this love that are supposed to be working in us. So are, are we known for these attributes as well? It's a, the fullness of this word love includes these things. And so we can't just say, oh, I love God with all my heart, soul and mind. And, and then casually say, I love my neighbor as myself. Uh, but we, we go and understand what this love entails. So. Are, are we known for our patience with one another? Are we known for our kindness towards each other? Are we showing this kindness in the framework of our community and, and, and to people that are uh, not part of the church, for that matter, and our extended family and within the, the framework of our neighbors and, and others? Understanding this love, its characteristics, uh, it's it, the, this idea of kindness is not to be motivated by what others think. In other words, I'm not to to come out and say, well, 
I need to be kind because that's the way a Christian looks. And I, so I, I need to be kind. It, it, it needs to be something that comes from a sincerity. I'm not doing it to look kind. I'm doing it because kindness is growing in me, working through me, through the love of God in me. It's not something to be done in a sense of pride. I want everybody to know how good I am, how kind I am, how much love I have. And by the inverse of that, it's not to be done in a sense of guilt. I am I'm such a terrible person. I've got to show my kindness. I've got to improve on this. This idea of, of this love is something that comes through God, indwelling of the Holy Spirit, revealing it to us and, and through us and growing in us. The result of God in me. It's causing a change of character in me. A desire to be different. A desire to be more what God wants me to be. In the book of of Colossians, in chapter 3, there's a section that uh, I refer to the put-offs and put-ons. If this love is growing in us, there's things that we start to put off that are of the fleshly nature and things that we start to put on that are of a godly nature. And again, can only be done with the indwelling of the Holy Spirit working in us. So we have to surrender to the Holy Spirit for this to happen. Things that we put off. Let's Well, let's just look at these verses. Colossians chapter 3, starting with the fifth verse. Paul writes, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander and uh, and, uh, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and that you have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. In other words, growing in us, changing us. By the way, this is a lifetime occurrence it's it's not something that happens you say i'm saved and then boom it happens this is an ongoing process it's a lifetime we're being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator there here there is not greek and jew there's no circumcised and uncircumcised no barbarian scythian slave free but christ is all and in all so it doesn't matter what your background is what your skin color is, what your cultural background is, it has nothing to do with any of that. There is not Greek, Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. It is Christ that is working in us. So we're told in verse 12, it says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, Compassionate hearts, kindness, here we are again, humility, meekness, and patience, 
bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. That's a strong statement. We don't often think about it. Forgiving others as the Lord has forgiven you. God, think of all that God has done for you. We are to put that out towards others in the process of our growing in the Lord. So you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love. The same love we've been talking about, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your in, in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. We are to desire to put off the things of the world, the things of the flesh, and to put on the things of God. And, and again, this idea of, of kindness and compassionate hearts and meekness and patience, humility. To understand better what this, how to deal with this and how to do this, we need to look at God's kindness. Maybe we can catch a, a little better understanding of what this is by looking at God's kindness to us. For instance, in Romans chapter 2, verse 4, it says to, uh, that God is, his, his kindness is to lead us into repentance. God's kindness leads us into repentance. He leads us into salvation. He, it says his, his kindness draws us to him. Kindness is something that, 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 uh, in, in this sense, from God's point of view, as he loves us, it draws us to him. Are people drawn to us because of the love of God working through us? Do they, they want, do they come to us and are attracted to us because of the love of God working in us with patience and kindness, which we were dealing with and meekness and the other things that we've talked about briefly? In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 7, he says, this is all done through Jesus Christ, the Son, and through what he's done on the cross. God's kindness is a characteristic, a trait of his love. And he's telling us it's to be the same for his love in us. It's to become part of our character. Part of who we are, not just something we do, but something that comes through God in us to others. Next question I ended up asking myself is, Bob, have you experienced God's kindness? And the first thing that came to my mind was, are you breathing? I know that sounds a little trite, but the, the bottom line is, is that the moment that I consciously committed sin and knew the difference between right and wrong, the thing I deserved was separation from God and, and, and death. Not just death physically, but death in an eternal sense. 
It didn't happen. I wasn't saved at that point. But God's plan was to, 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 in saving me was his, his grace, his kindness working even then. And so the very fact that we all have breath that we can breathe is a result of God's kindness. Also, it's a result of God's patience. It's the result of who God is and what he's doing. It's a result of his unconditional love for us. I am a Christian because God in his kindness has shown mercy to me. Giving me grace. Forgiving my sins through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on the cross. I thought of the words, it is finished. Through his mercy and his grace, he opened my eyes, my mind, to his word, to his truth. And he drew me into his family. Ephesians chapter 5. Again, similar verses to what I've been sharing with you. Looking at, uh, we'll start with the 15th verse. Look carefully then at how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. The idea of that phrase, don't be drunk with wine, sounds like, where did that come from? The idea is that drunk with wine means that the wine owns you. It captivates you. It controls you. Don't be controlled by the, the wine. And, and that has to do with a broader picture. It's a, a picture of don't be controlled or drunk of the world and the things of the world, coveting the things of the world. But be filled with the Spirit. In other words, be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Don't be controlled by the things of the world. Be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Addressing, and look at how, again, we're to talk to one another then. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Allowing his patience and his kindness to come through us. Verse 17 of chapter 5 here in Ephesians says, knowing the will of the Lord. I'm going to suggest to you, somebody, you know, frequently we have people say, well, there's no way you can, you know, you know, what's the will of the Lord? And we, and we look for, you know, like what college am I to go to? What job am I to take? What's God's will? Let me share with you that there's a number of things in scripture that outline his will that we need to be doing first that rather than being concerned about some of those things. For instance, in verse 12 or chapter uh, 12 of, of the book of Romans. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. The will of God is revealed here to me about something I need to do. 
I need to present myself as a living sacrifice to God. Now, if you give a sacrifice to God, what you're doing is you're giving a gift to God. God owns it. It's God's. What I'm to do is to give myself to God that he will have control of me. I will not be a free agent. I'm not free to do whatever I want to do. I am free to be what God wants me to be in, in, in his purpose. But I am told that now that I am in God, I am to follow his commands, his word. He is the authority over me. So I offer myself as a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable means with the, with the idea of the surrender to him. He adds to it here, verse 2 of chapter 12 of Romans. Do not be conformed to this world. Sounds familiar to what I just shared out of Ephesians chapter 5. Don't let the world be the things that you judge things by. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. And the word transformed here is more than just conforming to some things. Transformed means to be completely changed. God actually doing a, a, a change in you. Literally, well, the word is metamorphous, to, to make one thing into another. By the renewing of our minds. That by testing you may discern what is the will of God. You see, here's where we're understanding the will of God really starts. Is are we offering ourselves to, to God as a living sacrifice? Are we, we desiring to be conformed to his, transformed into the likeness of his, him and, and the likeness of Christ and in, in the, in the kingdom, for the kingdom of God? Or are we being conformed to the world and just giving lip service to all of this? Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable. Present myself as a living sacrifice. Surrender to God. So I already mentioned in Colossians chapter 3, verses 5 through 17, the put off and the put on could be applied into this verse. This idea of being conformed is to put off. Don't be conformed to the world. Put off the things of the world. Put on. And I put it off actually here to this idea of put off is to put off Things that are natural to the flesh. The things the flesh covets and desires. By the way, our fallen flesh desires to conform to the world. And to put on the supernatural. If we are giving ourselves as a living sacrifice, we're talking about our salvation being in a relationship with God in a supernatural relationship. You know, some people will use the phrase, well, I'm only human. If we are Christian, we are more than only human. We are supernatural because we are indwelled by the Holy Spirit of God. And while we still are in the flesh and battling with it, and we will fall short, at, that's where God says, then be, you know, recognize your sin, confess your sin, and I will forgive you of your sins. But we can't use still living in this flesh as Paul would call it, a tent, uh, you know, it's, uh, we can't use that as an excuse 
for not doing the things that God shows us in his word. When we fall short of his word, we confess and say, Lord, forgive us. He says, I am faithful and just to forgive you and to restore you unto all righteousness. We have, you know, this idea of showing God's kindness to others. We have God's uh, uh, kindness working in us. Now we should be able to show it to others. Not our kindness, God's kindness working through us. The I'm not going to go through it this morning, but but the ideal parable that would go with this is the Good Samaritan. A person who had nothing to gain by helping a person on the side of the road who had been beaten and robbed. Two people who were of the uh, the Jewish faith, they walked by a, a rabbi, a, a, a scribe, I should say, and a Pharisee, and and both of them ignored the person because they were on the way to the temple, didn't want to dirty their hands and not be able to go to worship. And what happens is a Samaritan, who's not Jewish, stops and he sees this man and takes him, binds his wounds, takes him to an, a, a place where he can sleep, an inn to... to where they would take care of him. And he says, when I come back, I will pay whatever extra is owed. That's the kind of people God wants us to be. We all talk about the good Samaritan. And we think highly of that person. It's us. We are to be the good Samaritans. And no matter what our background, no matter what our race, no matter how where we come from, we are to be God's good Samaritans. Showing God's kindness and compassion to others. The world should see that as a Christian, they would, they would, the world should come to see in us that when we say I'm a Christian, they would say, oh, you are one of those people who have extensive love for things, for people. In other words, it should be almost synonymous. I'm a Christian. I am a person of love, God's love. I am a Christian. I'm a person of God's patience. I am a Christian. I am a person of God's kindness. Takes me back to where we started in John chapter 13. In reference to that, they will know we are Christians by our love. Since these are characteristics of love, patience and kindness so far that we've gone through, Christians should be known then for their patience and their kindness within the framework of the community that they live, where they work, where they go to church, within the framework of their family. People should say, I know them for their kindness. I know them for their patience. And the reason for that is because the love of God working through us, the love that has saved us working through us. Next week, we continue in chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians. 
we will be looking at uh, the fact that love does not envy or boast. We'll take that on next week. Thank you for being with us this morning, uh, sharing with us on our website or on Facebook, and ask that you join us again next week. Again, July 5th should be our first Sunday here, and uh, we will get out all the details as to the things that we'll be doing to uh, abide by what the current uh, safety procedures are at that time in reference to COVID. So uh, let's have a word of prayer, and uh, we'll close. Father, again, we thank you. We look at this, and I can't help but look at this and say, Father, this this is way too much for me. There's no way I can have your kindness, your love, your mercy, uh, you know, uh, Lord, uh, your patience. And then I realize, no, I can't. Not in and of myself. But if I were to start where you show us in Romans chapter 12 to offer myself as a living sacrifice, asking you, Lord, to change my heart, to give me a desire to be conformed to your king, transformed to your likeness and to your the to to be a part of your kingdom rather than conform to the world and make that my daily prayer and the desire of my heart and ask you, Lord, to build that in me in such a way that your love becomes more dominant in me. then I realize that it's not through me that it'll happen. It'll be through you in me that it happens. I ask, Lord, for you to take me, mold me, change me, transform me. And for everyone that will join me in that prayer, we come before you and we offer ourselves this morning as living sacrifices, asking your Holy Spirit to transform us. In Jesus' name.